The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church. Good morning. Okay, I see Trent back there, still talking Joe, Jackie, who else is, yep, come on in, come on in, I see you, there's no hiding. (laughs) I just want to acknowledge also that Rue had to work very hard to get you all to just settle down this morning, that was... Well, here we are at the the end of our Ecclesiastes series. We're at Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter. And uh, I'm so excited for that. Today, the last day of our Ecclesiastes series, we're going to look at aging well. What does it mean to be someone that grows up well and that ages well? And so with that, to focus our time of prayer of confession, I want to invite you uh, just into a time of personal reflection and confession to God over One, praising him for the time you've been given. And two, uh, if something comes to mind, confessing to him how you've used the time you've been given. I think probably any of us, probably all of us, can look at the time we've been given and think, man, I don't know if I've used it all well. (laughs) There's probably periods in my life where maybe you find yourself in a time in your life where you don't feel direction in your life, you don't have a, a goal, or, or maybe it's a time you just squandered in your life and bringing that again to God and laying it at his feet. And so with that, I just want to give you 30 seconds to a minute just to reflect on the time you've been given, praise him for it, and, and if there's something you want to bring to him in confession for the way you've used your time, and then we will pray and get into God's word together. Father, teach us to number our days so that we can live with wise hearts. That we don't waste the time, that we praise you for the time. Even if we find ourselves in just a really difficult season, that we can praise you. We can entrust it to you, knowing that it's better in your safekeeping than trying to just figure it out ourselves. 
I pray that we'll live with eternity in mind, that our hearts will, our hearts and minds, the way we live will show that this isn't, this isn't all there is. Just right now, even the next 20 years or however long we're given isn't all there is, but there is a forever for us. I pray that our decisions, the posture of our hearts will reflect that. It will just show Jesus who knew that there was a time he would die, but after that would come paradise. Told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that hope is held out to us also. I pray that we'll really take it seriously and love it and live with that hope in mind. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Wouldn't it be nice to have a teacher to help you understand what is most important in life? This is what we find in the book of Ecclesiastes. In this sermon series, you'll receive a hard-hitting, uncensored, deeply thoughtful look at life, death, and everything else. The teacher takes us from the lowest despair to the firm foundation of a life built on God's commands. And this is our last week listening to the teacher of Ecclesiastes. I want to start today by telling you the story of this Bible. Not the Bible, that would take a really long time, but this Bible in particular. On the infold of this Bible is the signature of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham likely only touched this Bible once and probably didn't really know where it was going. But it was signed by Billy Graham and given to someone who over years of spiritual discipline and habit wore this Bible in and wore this Bible out. And that was Albert Lauer, my grandfather. And I want to tell you his story to start our sermon on aging well, living well. My grandfather grew up in the shadow of the Brooklyn Bridge, and I know from him that his father worked on the printing presses for the New York Times. From pictures, I've discovered that my grandfather was a surprisingly chubby child for someone who had all lean and lanky kids. Despite his inner city upbringing, my grandfather loved nature and planned a career in forestry. When he didn't meet the grades for that, apparently there's quite high grades for getting a forestry degree, he chose instead to have a career with the Air Force, which apparently has a lower (laughs) requirement than forestry. That's another point. The Air Force would take my grandfather around the country and all over the world. One of the stations he was at was Denver, Colorado, and there he met Jesus. He went to an outreach by Moody Bible Institute where they showed a documentary on the wonders of God's creation. Unbeknownst to everybody going in, to see the documentary, they were using a directional mic to record conversations as they came in, which they would later play. And and that was in the context of sharing Habakkuk 2.11, which says this, the very stones in the walls cry out against you, and the beams of the ceiling echo the complaint. Now, 
What they were showing in this was that sound waves don't just bounce off things, they stick inside things. They can be captured. And what this verse says is that literally the walls, maybe on judgment day, will be called to testify the things you've said, and they'll start bringing forth all the words that you've spoken in their presence. And I was reading, my mom has his written testimony, the written testimony of my grandfather, and you can read it in there that what immediately came to mind for him is what if the steering wheel of my car is called to testify on the day of judgment the things I've said? <laughs> he knew he was condemned, a sinner, and he needed a savior. Uh, I would love to know what he said in that car. My grandfather would go on to win the heart of my grandmother, Janet, who's here today. Raise four kids, 15 grandchildren, and retire from the Air Force, then attend seminary and work as a chaplain and a lay pastor in Tacoma. In my childhood, I remember my grandfather being a stoic figure. He was a man who kept meticulous order. His, his garage floor was cleaner than my bedroom floor will ever be. He always had close-cropped hair and wore classic Old Spice aftershave. He was a man of few words, and I don't remember him being quick to express emotion, but intentional with the way he did it. I remember him being present. In, the late six, in his late 60s, uh, my grandfather was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, <clears throat> and Parkinson's is the way... I most clearly remember him in the last years of his life. He battled Parkinson's for, and I don't know, eight to ten years, for quite some time. But Parkinson's will do different things to people, not just physically, but being faced with a disease or, or um, a sickness of that magnitude, it forces someone to come in to conflict, come into um, an understanding really of themselves, what comes out of you when you are diagnosed with something like Parkinson's. And what came out of my grandfather was tenderness. Last week I read to you the quote by, or was it two weeks ago I read to you the quote by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, which she says, beautiful people don't just happen. Right? We, we never look up and say, this is somebody I want to follow who's never experienced hardship, but those who have and because of that have become incredibly beautiful people. And my grandfather was a beautiful person. He grew in beauty through the disappointments of childhood, hard years of military service, challenges in parenting, career changes, and the diagnosis of Parkinson's. My grandfather grew and grew in beauty. Isn't this helpful? Isn't it helpful to see a life beginning, middle, end, and look at it in its entirety and say, well done. That's so good. Oftentimes we see a life in progress and we can say, man, I think they're doing well, but what does it look like, look like as someone faces their own death and say, well done? That's what I see in the story of my grandfather. And this is the question that we're going to look at today in Ecclesiastes. Are you well? Are you aging well? Where will the summary of your life be well done? How can we ensure that is the case? 
And the simple answer of the teacher is this. Remember God. Remember God in every stage of your life. Remember him. I'm going to read you Ecclesiastes 11, 7, 2, 8. And you will see here the teacher talk about two specific phases of life. And one of those is youth and all its vigor and aging and all its challenges. You can follow with me if you have your Bibles, and I believe it will also be on the screen. Ecclesiastes 11, 7 through 12, 8. And it says this, Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone lives, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever you, your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dim and the clouds return after the rain, when the keeper of the house tremble and the strong men stoop and the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshoppers drag itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel is broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. I want to start by looking at youth. Here in 11.9 where it says, You who are young, be happy while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. And maybe some unconventional wisdom. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes sees, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. This is the advice of the teacher. You who are young, be happy while you're young. Follow your heart. This seems like terrible advice, doesn't it? If you grew up in the church, what did you hear often? Your heart is deceitful. <laughs> Don't follow your heart. The last thing we often want people in their youth to do is what? Follow their heart. What we want them to do is follow my instruction. Do what you're told for heaven's sake. You got into this trouble. Why? Because you followed your heart. Is the teacher just raising terrible spoiled brats? Is that what this teacher is doing? Well, I want to say, slow down, helicopter parent. <laughs> when we approach the world simply in this way, simply in the 
the world is bad, what we're teaching our kids to do is unintentionally, we're teaching them that everything's bad, the world's something to be feared, instead of there is so much to be enjoyed. There's so much beauty in God's creation. There's so much to be taken and had and enjoyed. There's nectar in life. There's things to be tasted that are delightful. There's, there's joys to be had in friendships and activities that you do. There is so much to enjoy in the world. When I think of what the teacher's advice here, I think of um, a beautiful scene in a powerful movie called Dead Poet Society. If you've, if you've watched it, you'll probably remember with me this scene. The, the Dead Poet Society is about a teacher named John Keating, and he goes to this stuffy, elite, all-boys school on the East Coast, and he is trying to reintroduce to the lives of these young men happiness, romance, creativity, imagination through the English classes he's teaching. Now, it's contrasted with this kind of strict elitism, this drive for success that they have in their lives. I have to meet the grade so I can go on and become a banker, right? That's sort of the mentality that's being contrasted with. And, and they don't have a sense of the joys also that can be had in life. And what he does is he brings them to the trophy case of a school. And if, if you went to high school your high school had one, right? These trophy cases that are all glass and you look in and there's, you know, the bat that helped win the state championship and this was the rowing team and this was the basketball jersey of someone who scored a lot of points and you have pictures. And that's exactly what it is at this boys' school. They're standing in front of this trophy case and he invites one of the students to read a poem called To the Virgin's to make much of time. And they all snicker because those are the word virgins in it. And the poem goes this way. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. And he says, what does the writer mean here? And one of the students says, Sounds like he's in a hurry. In a hurry. Now this is what we would probably read into this also. Gather your rosebuds, Molly. Rush around. But that's not what he's saying. He says, this is what he's saying. We are food for worms. Believe it or not, every one of us in the room will one day stop breathing. And then he invites them in closer. And they lean in. And he says this. <laughs> Carpe. You remember this in the movie? Have you seen it? Carpe diem. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. That's what the teacher of Ecclesiastes is saying. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Seek happiness. There is such a special, high school, youth, such a special time of life. It has its advantages, right? It has vigor and opportunity. Do you remember when you didn't have to lift with your knees, right? I mean, 
Like if that alone will just take you back to a time of joy, right? I mean, and you remember the first time you experienced age, which you pick something up and you're like, oh, that's what they meant, right? Youth can be such a sweet time. You get an allowance that you don't have to necessarily work for probably, right? You get sick and you just get coddled. Right? What a rude awakening when you go to college and you move away for the first time and you get sick and you're just lying in bed going like, Mom, but there's just no one, right? There's just no one to respond to those pleas. Youth is such a special time. I, I, um, while I was writing this part of the sermon, I, I'm not joking here, I just... I had this like soundtrack in the back of my mind of the Leanne Womack song, I Hope You Dance. You know, she's like, I hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean, right? She's like, I hope you dance. And that's youth, right? Like, man, let's protect those who are experiencing youth that they will just, they will dance. They'll have a good time. They'll enjoy it. We will help protect them from a lot of the worries that will be theirs. Because, man, once you start growing up and you get more and more responsibility, And what you start taking on is things that start stealing, whether it's it's physically your body is wearing out a little more, or or friends that you used to run around with, you just lost touch with, right? All those things that will happen in youth, we want to say, enjoy it. Open your heart to these things. It can be good. In Ephesians 6.4, It says this, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Don't exasperate your children. What that's saying is, don't just try to make all these rules to inhibit them from experiencing all the fullness of life. But teach them, train them up, instruct them in the way of the Lord. And the ways of the Lord are delightful. And Ecclesiastes, the teacher, he introduces us to two of these instructions or two of these things, what we'll call boundaries. The first he shows us is a divine boundary. Follow the ways of your heart, whatever you see, but know for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. It's the same thing my grandfather heard when he heard Habakkuk 2.11, that enjoy life, open your heart, experience the fullness of all these things. But no, for all these things, you will be called into account. See, the good teacher of Ecclesiastes knows that with all these experience, we should not stop remembering or hearing the word of the Lord. All these things can be delightful, but we do it receiving the commands of God and living within those boundaries. It's the same thing that Paul says in Romans, where he says, that the wrath of God's being revealed to those is being revealed from heaven against godlessness and wickedness who suppress the truth of God that has been made plain to them. So as we take the instruction of God, we hear his commands, we live within those boundaries and experience the fullness of life therein, we can experience the joys of youth, the special time that youth is. That's the divine boundary. But there's also a natural boundary here. And this is what we read in 12.1 where it says, Remember the creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. Now, 
I'm, I'm a parent to really young kids, but I, I already know it's hard not to kind of put my trouble on them, them sometimes, right? It's hard not if I have a hard day at work, not just bring that with me, or if I've experienced you know, certain things in my life already trying to like, <laughs> you know, probably what Elliot hears more than anything is be careful, right? Be careful, be careful. And I want him to be careful, but I also want him to be wildly reckless, right? I do hope that also for my child. And how do, how do I hold those things together? I want him to be crazy. I also want him to hear the instruction of the Lord and live within those boundaries, right? Because trouble will come. Trouble will come within temptation and he will live hopefully within the divine boundaries. Trouble will come because his body won't function the way it once did and that is the natural boundary. And this is where we approach aging and old age. You are growing older every day. And the teacher of Ecclesiastes paints this for us in beautiful and painful descriptions. I want to walk you through Ecclesiastes 12 and just show you what the, the poetic teacher here is trying to show us. When he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, simply here he's talking about old age, the slow growing dark of our lives. Now we know that there are lights, there are lives that are snuffed out quickly. We would say that they died too soon, they were young. But for most people, we will see our light grow dim slowly. We will look in the mirror and discover the gradual graying of our hair, the wrinkling of our faces, we will see ourselves slowly transform. And he starts describing different parts of our physical bodies and the way these are affected by age. The keeper of the house trembles. He's saying that our hands and our arms, these things that have kept house for us, grow unsteady, and there is a loss of control. They don't have the strength and steadiness that they once did. It says that strong men stoop. Our legs, which maybe once could jump and run, have arthritis, or no longer the strength in them that they once did. No matter how many miles you run or how many hours you spend in the gym, your legs will stoop. The grinders cease because they are few. There's two ways to read this, I think. One is teeth. Sometimes those grinders are few. Also, this can mean the people you once worked alongside. The grinders are fewer. People that you worked alongside, lived alongside, there are, as you grow older, less and less of them, less people in your phone to call. And those who look through the windows, the eyes. The eyes aren't able to see and receive light the way they once did. When the doors of the street are closed, these are your lips. You grow often quieter with age. You don't have quite the same amount of things to say or even feel the need to speak. 
The sound of grinding fades. Again, you're hearing voices around you become faint. You become less distinct. Sometimes you're overwhelmed by the loudness and tend to withdraw. When people rise at the sound of birds, but their songs are faint. As you get older, oftentimes sleep evades you more. When people are afraid of heights and dangers in the street, there's fear of falling. Dangers of being taken advantage of. You aren't as stable. The curbs seem to get taller. The potholes seem to grow wider. The almond tree blossoms, it says. Your hair starts growing gray. The grasshopper drags himself around. We slow down. And desire is no longer stirred. All sorts of appetites diminish as we age. And then the teacher concludes with this. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about in the streets. Our bodies grow weak. And there is a day when our bodies break. The silver cord is severed. The golden bull is broken. The spirit returns to the God who gave it. From dust you have come to dust you will return. And the teacher says, vapor, vapor. This is aging. So is that all, folks? That's the question we're left with, right? We look at the vigor of youth, enjoy it, drink it to its full. Years of trouble are coming, challenges. Do we just break and get thrown away? Well, I want to contrast two lives and how we can understand this. And I want to do both very respectfully. But these were two lives, both affected by Parkinson's and responded to it very differently. The first is the actor who played in the movie Dead Poet Society. Robin Williams, known as America's Funny Man, at the age of 63 was diagnosed with Parkinson's degree, d- disease and unable to face the demise of his body, took his own life. That is one response to seeing the gradual decline and the eventual end. Let's just end it now. That was the response of Robin Williams. And I say I really want to approach this respectfully because he carried a tremendous weight and I want to honor the weight he carried. We don't want to speak glibly or lightly about that. The second example, and it does provide a profound contrast with that response, is the response of my grandfather, who was a man diagnosed with Parkinson's also, but grew more beautiful and did not grow bitter with that diagnosis. Parkinson's disease softened him. He was not surprised that his body would experience demise, and he was not surprised by death. We walked with him as a family through this all and even through the time in hospice. And what a contrast to see these two stories and that the second story, and I I look at Nate because I remember Nate and myself and Zach going and we had the family around. We, We worshiped in his hospice room. 
We brought our musical instruments. We worshipped around the bed. We worshipped knowing the story my grandfather had lived and the hope, where his hope was. Last week I spoke with my mom about the night my grandfather passed away. Uh, She was there that night. And when she talked about it, she spoke about the sweetness of that night. And when she said that, I thought of Psalm 116 that says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servant. Precious in the sight of the Lord. Sitting at his bedside, my grandfather's bedside, my mom noticed a change and she began to sing a song. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. When I stand in glory, I will see his face and there I'll serve my King forever in that holy place. Made me think of the day I was with my own father. When he passed away, There was pure pain in that leaving, but there was goodness knowing he was going to God. How is that possible? It is possible because of what we are called to do twice in Ecclesiastes. Remember him. Remember him. This is our response. In your youth, be happy. Remember your creator. In your aging and your dying, remember him. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, before the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered and the spring and the wheel is broken at the well, the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit goes to God who gave it. Remember him, and that will prepare you for wherever you find yourself, in life. You cannot escape the natural bounds of aging. You can't. You are aging. You also cannot escape the divine boundaries of God's righteous judgment. Remember the Lord in the days of your youth. Because you will stand before him. That is what the teacher says. Live within these boundaries remembering God. Are you trying to hold on to youth? It isn't possible. Are you living in fear of dying in death? You don't have to. Why? Because you can remember him. The creator, the sustainer, the one to who your soul will go to. And this is what Paul means when he writes this to the church of Corinth. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, The flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Listen, listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In the flash, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and we will be changed. We will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself in imperishable. Whether you are youth, whether you are old, whether you have Parkinson's or you feel completely healthy right now, the imperishable has to be clothed. The perishable has to be clothed with imperishable, the mortal with immortality. Then the saying will come true, death 
has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gave us victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Remember the Lord, and wherever you are right now, living in the happiness of your youth, or living with the reality of your aging, remember him. Give yourself fully, fully to him, and know that that is a life not lived in vain. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are a moment, you are forever. God, I pray that with the life we have in our bones, with the life we still have beating in our hearts right now, that we will live fully, we will carpe diem, we will seize this day, not taking it to ourselves, taking it for ourselves, but Live this day to its fullest, remembering you. Remembering you in every second. Remembering is a gift from you. Remembering that this moment can be lived with you. And in that, this can be an eternal moment. Remembering that this perishable has to change. It has to be clothed with imperishable. Remembering that death does not have to have sting because there's victory in Jesus. God, I pray that this, even now as we approach Easter next week, there'll just be this beautiful building anticipation in our hearts. And knowing that we, we, we just get to celebrate next week because the resurrection life of Jesus is already ours. God, I pray that that will just be an ever dawning, clarifying reality to us who are aging right now. God, I pray that the way we live the way we grow old with you, remembering you, will just be a, something that even if somebody doesn't know you, they're just watching me. Well done. Wow. That's the way it should be done. I'll see you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, we are going to remember God and worship in a couple ways. The first is taking communion together, which we remember Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, preparing us for eternity, breaking the bread and saying, this is my body broken for you, taking the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we invite you to remember, remember Jesus together in that way. Uh, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, we invite you just to think about what was shared today. But if you have your faith put in Jesus, placed in Jesus, please take communion with us. If you would like prayer for anything, uh, Ibrahim is um, right over here, kind of hidden back here. You can uh, get prayer from him, and then we're going to worship together.